Hey, what's up, everybody? This is the Post Money Plan podcast. You can find us at postmoneyplan.com or search the Post Money Plan in the iTunes podcast app. This upload is coming to you May 31st, 2017. As always, we believe empowerment comes through knowledge. So our purpose here is to inform, educate, and stimulate thought on topics within personal finance, economics, and investing. So today I have my guest Larry on the show again, who I'm going to talk to about retirement planning and surprises. Larry is a retiree I interviewed in one of the earliest podcasts about how he worked through his career and then the different perspectives of each spouse in the relationship. I interviewed his wife and himself, and they gave their different perspectives. This time, I'm going to ask Larry about his planning process for retirement, the financial transition into retirement, things he wish he knew ahead of time, and things he thinks that you should be thinking about going into retirement. So welcome to the show again, Larry. Hello. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for coming on again. Not a problem. Okay, so just to refresh our listeners, how old are you and how long ago did you retire? I am 66 and I retired six years ago this month. And you're currently not working at all? That's correct. I am lucky enough to have been taken well enough care of financially that I no longer need to work. I thought about working just for something to keep myself entertained in retirement, but financially there's not a requirement. So then what was the planning process for you getting ready for retirement? Well, that started really early. Basically, I grew up as a youngster being a saver, and that saving concept carried through with me when I first began full-time work. I immediately saved a large chunk of my first paycheck, and that continued on throughout my career. Fortunately for me, I had a very cooperative spouse who worked with me and not against me in this uh, saving process. And right now, we are receiving the rewards of that early planning. Okay, so then can you translate that for other people? What are some of the things that they should be doing in the planning process along the way to get to retirement? Okay, I... You can get lucky and all those kind of things, but I don't think you can plan on that. I think you have to plan to save and be prepared. So instead of spending our whole paycheck and getting every want we wanted from an early age, we opted to try to get by on a little bit less than maximum spending. And as a result, saving was the first thing we did. We saved first and spent later as funds became available. Obviously, you can't go through life in denial. You might not live long enough to reach retirement. So we did have fun along the way, and we did things along the way. But we, again, maybe we opted for a three-star motel room instead of a five-star motel room. We drove sometimes for vacations instead of flying. Those type of things. We didn't deny ourselves, but we took maybe a cost-effective option. Okay, so what are some recommendations in terms of people, what they should be doing in planning for retirement? I think it really is a pretty simple thing to build up a plan, sit down, figure out how much your costs are, what you make, and hopefully you already make more than you spend. But if not, 
then you got to sit down with your budget and say, where can we cut back such that we are spending less than we make? And then in future, you implement that and you stick to that strategy with very minor exceptions. You have to be forward thinking in this. There's always going to be surprises out there every year, every month. There's something that you can't plan for. The oven breaks, the house siding blows off in the wind, whatever it might be. So you have to allow a percentage for that. And I found what worked well for us in our planning process was to assume each month that 10 to 15 percent of our gross was going to be required for unplanned expenses that occurred either once a year or once whatever. And we had the money already there when it occurred. And if by happenstance, for some reason, it didn't occur, well, then that was just additional savings that we hadn't planned to be available or vice versa. If we were filling in the need to do something special, we had extra funding available for it. And I think this is something that nearly anyone can do. It doesn't require big financial thought processes. All it takes is looking ahead, sitting down and going over your, your expenses, listing them all and then your income. And, and if there's potential growth in your income or if there's going to be an additional need in your expenses, that you account for those and work toward that strategy on a regular, repeatable basis over and over and over again. And on the long haul, you end up with a significant nest egg. Okay, so the takeaways there are living below your means, saving from every paycheck, building up a nest egg, and then making sure that you have enough saved by the time you retire that you're going to be able to survive. Absolutely. And in my particular case, the company I retired from gave us the option of a lump sum or a retirement, and we opted for the lump sum. So we needed to prepare for not having an additional monthly income, which is more typical of most people. So we were forward thinking for quite some time on that. Basically, from the time I started to work at my last company until we reached retirement age, we planned out how our funding requirements would be and to make sure that we had access to our requirements and wouldn't be dipping into our nest egg before we planned. Okay, and then just in general terms, could you describe the things that change financially when you transition from a working career to retirement? Okay, well, the obvious one that everybody's used to is the paycheck isn't there anymore. The other things that I guess, I really only had one thing that took me by surprise. I was prepared from early on in my career, the concept of using a 401k for company savings, because typically a company will match all or some portion of your income and therefore basically give you a boost to your savings plan and preparing for that. What I was taking by surprise on was I didn't realize that Medicare had a certain floor on what you could make. And then if you made more than that, they bumped up your cost for Medicare. And it's a, a significant penalty for that. When I say Medicare, I'm talking about the medical portion of your cost. Then the other part that they penalized you on, which I didn't realize, was your drug portion of your cost. Even though I don't use the Medicare drug program, 
I still pay a penalty because my retirement income was more than the maximum allowed. So I pay a penalty on Medicare. I pay a penalty on drugs. Hopefully, I'll get that corrected soon by shifting some of my income to other time and uh, take away that penalty. But for now, I'm paying a penalty for that. And I wasn't aware that that was even a possibility before I retired. So you're saying the biggest transition is you go from having a paycheck to no longer having a paycheck, and yet the expenses keep on coming. That's correct. So you have to have a nest egg there sufficient. You know, if you have a retirement from your company or Social Security, that can offset that. Again, if you plan out this, for example, in my case, I plan to not take Social Security until I reach the maximum age of 70 because for each year that you delay in taking your Social Security, you get an 8% pay raise in what your Social Security payments will be once you do take it. Well, let's start from the beginning there. With the different accounts and things, what are the things that kick in in retirement? So with IRA or a 401k account, when can you start withdrawing from those? Okay. Well, there are some special rules where you can take out from your IRA account or your 401k really early. And when I say really early, I'm talking before age 59 and a half. Routinely, the earliest that you can take out without special rules is age 59 and a half. If you do say it, for example, age 57, you take out without following the special rules, you will pay a 10% penalty to the federal government on the early withdrawal amount. So if you, for example, withdraw $100,000 at 57, you're going to pay a 10% penalty or $10,000 penalty to the government for having done that prior to the early withdrawal age. And then when do you qualify for Medicare? Medicare basically is this age 65 situation. So lots of people take their Social Security at 62, which is early, and you're paying for that in the long run. But some people didn't plan ahead well enough, so they need their Social Security to make do. But in my case, I'm in the age bracket where things are shifting. So full payment on Social Security, if you're old enough, used to be 65 and it's moving with the age as you get younger and younger toward age 70 for full Social Security. Right now, in my case, it's at 66 and two-thirds. Don't ask me how they came up with that, but that's where I fit in the envelope for what is traditionally the full Social Security payment. But again, each year you delay adds 8% to your Social Security monthly paycheck once you do take it. So there's not many things in today's low return environment. You can't put money in the bank and make 8% on it. So if you can figure out a way to accomplish delaying your Social Security, then it's something you should consider strongly. So you can start taking full Social Security benefits at 66 and some for most people, but that may change in the future. And you could start taking it at 62, but you get less of your benefits? Yes, it's significantly reduced if you take the age 62 option. But again, you know, some people were not able to save ahead of time, so they've had to go that route. I'm just suggesting that if you can plan ahead, try to avoid that. But if you plan on dying early, you should take it early? 
<laughs> well, I guess that, that's another philosophy that people do is like, I might not live long enough. Well, that may be the case, but statistically, if you made it to age 62, the odds are highly in your favor that you are going to live long enough to benefit from Social Security. And the trade-off point for waiting is very short. By the trade-off point, I mean the break-even for delaying versus taking early. Okay, let's change gears a little bit. You mentioned one thing before, but is there anything about retirement you wish you knew before that you know now that you've found out through experience or things that you should watch out for in retirement? Well, I guess there have been two significant surprises to me. The one that I mentioned previously related to Medicare costs, there being an upper limit on what you could make and still pay the basic Medicare charge. Since I exceed the limit the last couple of years, I have to pay a significant penalty for Medicare and also the drug program. So I paid two penalties. And this year, my spouse is qualifying for Medicare. So I will pay two more penalties because the government looks at previous year's income tax, not this year's income tax to judge that. So I'll pay two penalties for me and two penalties for my spouse for this coming year. And then hopefully I'll reduce my income enough such that those penalties will disappear in the following year. But I didn't know such a penalty existed, which is why I got myself in this position currently. So I was surprised about that. What are you saying you would have done? I would have taken less income, less taxable income in this year, spread it out over a longer term. In other words, I took money from a traditional IRA and rolled it into a Roth IRA. Well, when you do that, you are taxed on that money you roll over. You benefit in the future because Roth doesn't pay taxes on growth. But in the year that you make the transition, you must pay taxes on that. So I could have chosen, had I known ahead of time, to take a lower conversion from a traditional to a Roth that still would have kept me below the limit, and then I would have been good without paying the penalty. And that's what I, in fact, plan to do for the future. But I didn't know about that when I did it, so I thought bigger was better, get it done now, and it turned out a mistake I didn't know. So your summary point about the income and taxes that you wish you would have known ahead of time was planning out what they call the distributions from your retirement accounts when you're taking those so that what qualifies as taxable income, according to the IRS, you would manage the amounts that you're taking out so that you don't end up in higher tax brackets when you're taking that money out? Yes, or even very specifically related to Medicare. Medicare has an upper limit on what you can make and pay the base monthly charge. When you exceed that limit, then there's a tiered or a progressive tax involved. And unfortunately, in my case, I went from the baseline number to the top number. And I've made that correction in this current tax year, but it won't show up on my cost of living until the following federal income tax year is filed and on record. So the government can refer to that to get my payments for Medicare and drugs corrected to the acceptable level. The other surprise to me was non-financial. I, I am having trouble keeping myself mentally and physically challenged in retirement, but that's non-financial. That's not really on the subject we're on. 
Sure, but it's still part of your life balance. And so you're saying you went to a full stop retirement where you haven't had to work at all, but you're saying it's kind of left a void in terms of physical and mental stimulation? Yes. And for most people, that's easy enough to work out, you know, work 20 hours a week, work part time, do things, maybe something different that you hadn't ever done or anything. My personality is such that I tend not to be able to do things halfway. I tend to go overboard on things. So I either do them not at all, or I do them with every ounce of energy I've got. So my wife and I had discussions about this. I had a friend ask me to run his company for him. And he was so interested in me that he even offered for me to do it part time. And my wife and I talked about it, and it's not in me to do it halfway. So uh, I still have some adjustments to be made there. I am less unhappy now than I was when I first retired, but I've still got a ways to go to be mentally and physically where I'd like to be. So you're saying the thing to look out for there is that before you're getting to retirement, there can be this desire where you see the end of the tunnel and you think like, oh, I can't wait to stop working and just do nothing. But you may not be as excited about that after the fact as before it happened. That is precisely what I'm trying to say. What about inflation? Is that a concern in retirement? To me, that is the major concern to anyone who is retired because it's just a basic thing that you've heard all your life. You either have a lump of money or you have a retirement income. And unless you're in the service or some other career where you had a cost of living increase associated with your retirement income, any normal industrial retirement is a fixed amount and it stays at that amount and never increases till your death. So everybody can learn to live with whatever their income level is if the expenses remain constant throughout. If inflation comes in, then what is happening, your income is static. It stays at a certain specific level, and inflation over time can greatly reduce your spendable money. Your dollar, when you're retired, is worth 50 cents 10 years down the road, or whatever it is, depending upon the inflation amount. Luckily, thus far in my career, inflation has not been significant, but it appears that it might be a point of concern in the future as there seem to be a lot of trending toward full employment, inflationary type of expectations that have historically occurred. So that suggests that it might be a uh, point of concern in the future. And how are you mitigating that inflation risk? I'm trying to be less conservative than is recommended on my financial decisions. By that, I mean I'm investing in conservative investments, but less conservative than I would have had I not had any concern whatsoever with inflation. So because I do have a degree of concern, I'm willing to take a certain amount of risk in my financial investments to get a higher yield. The objective being to get a greater return on my money such that that will provide me with an excess to handle any inflation that might occur. What about in terms of 
I feel like a lot of people have this vision of saving for retirement so that they can then travel the world or something. But does that end up happening? Did you think at all like that? Or did your thinking change once you got there? Uh, I did have some thoughts of that. And, and we have, in fact, done some of that. We traveled to Asia. We've made any number of trips to Florida, to all over since we retired. We had a bit of an interruption because we decided to make an addition to our house. And although it didn't hurt us financially, it required our being around to make decisions and adjustments. So that's impacted our travel schedule somewhat for that. The other thing, I guess, on a little bit personal and specific nature, I had this vision And I don't know why I did, but I had this vision. I wanted to go to Machu Picchu in uh, Peru. Well, that's an extreme high elevation and requires you to be quite physically fit to do that. My wife, unfortunately, has had some walking issues and she's still dealing with those. So it may impact our ultimate result in getting there or, or maybe not for the time being. It's maybe something I should have done 10 years ago instead of waiting like I did. But um, we've traveled a good bit, and I think that's something that I see value in, and there's fun in doing it and recalling the experiences. Is it expensive? You bet it is. But there's value in it and just seeing how other people live in the other parts of the world. So it's money well spent from my perspective. To drop back, A new thought had occurred to me about a previous subject when we were talking about handling inflation. I guess there is another option, which luckily I haven't had to pursue. But the typical thinking is that in retirement, you need less money because basically you have most things and you don't need a lot. Well, you can do without, so to speak. But I am thinking at this point that we won't have to do that. But some people may need to, to take care of inflation, or that's something they can do to deal with inflation. It's not really desirable, though, from my perspective. If you do your proper saving ahead of time, or if you can save ahead of time, to avoid the need to do without, particularly in your retirement years, it seems to me that doing without in retirement years is something you want to avoid. What about in terms of your thoughts or expectations in terms of spending time with family? If you go to full retirement and you have all this free time on your hands, but meanwhile, your children and whoever else, they have their lives and they're busy and their jobs and activities. Was there any kind of surprise there or does it just feel funny a bit in the sense that you have time and want to spend time with people, but other people might not have time? Yeah, there is some of that kind of adjustment. Particularly for my spouse, not quite as much for me, but particularly for her. I guess the first thing I'd say, the surprise for me before I get to her was that in retirement, now I'm around pretty much all the time. And so my wife is happy to send me off to go play golf just to give herself a break from me every so often. So, you know, even though you're married for a long time before retirement, it's different in a relationship with having someone there 24-7 
versus a normal person's active lifestyle where you're constantly busy with either work or other activities and trying to squeeze in some time for your spouse in between. And then you go to retirement where your spouse is overwhelmed by your presence. So it involves some adjustment on both parts. On the other side of the issue for my better half is she would like to uh, connect with our children on a regular basis and has needed to learn to uh, fit in with their schedule availability. And their priorities obviously are different than ours. So family time, I think, is important for everyone. But when you're retired and can be flexible, you think nothing else but family Whereas normal people have to think about their job, their church, their Boy Scouts, their Little League, you know, all their activities, and then try to fit family in as best they can. So, yes, those, those kind of adjustments take some time to figure out. So we kind of already addressed this, but just to make sure that we've covered it. Do you have any key recommendations for people in their early to mid-careers in terms of planning and expectations? I guess whenever you receive a jump in your financial status, try as best you can to take that jump and save it. When I say jump, I'm saying, okay, you had some kind of part-time job in college or high school or whatever, and now you got a full-time job all of a sudden. So you get a jump in pay there or you got a promotion, so you got a jump in pay there, or you got your annual review and you got a significant pay increase. What my spouse worked with me and allowed me to do that we have benefited tremendously from was we lived on the same money for large chunks of time. Like for a decade, we lived on a specific sum of money. So each year when I got a pay increase, that pay increase went to our savings account. And by the end of a whole decade of living at the same rate, you end up with a significant chunk of money going to that. Now, at some point in time, inflation comes in and you have to up that amount. But the longer you can hold out and taking any of those jumps in income, or, you know, if you went from a one-income family to a two-income family, or you went from where you had a blue-collar job to a white-collar job, anywhere that you receive jumps in income, the reason I emphasize that is you're used to living on a certain amount of money. So you've got an increase in pay, but you were used to living on X. Well, now you're making Y, you don't have to automatically raise your spending to Y. If you can hold at X spending for a significantly longer period of time, you get a big jump in your ability to save. And that carries forward throughout your career. And obviously, then compounding takes place. And if you can be more a little bit of risk-taking, instead of putting your money in the bank, for example, if you can maybe go with a somewhat conservative stock market option where you might see some growth in capital or dividends or both, that can compound the benefit to you. Again, you know, this is an obvious one that everybody's heard about, but I just want to bring it out because it's huge and it's definitely true. 
try as best you can, if your employer has a 401k, put in the maximum amount that you possibly can. In nearly all cases, an employer matches to some degree what you put in. And it's just like giving yourself an extra pay raise. And the long run benefits are great. So I guess that's what I would say on those subjects. So the analogy that comes to my mind when you're talking about saving pay raises is if your income was like your pants and you get a bigger pant size, that doesn't mean you have to gain a bunch of weight to fill your pant size. You can just like get a belt, live on the same income that you had before and save the rest and you don't have to throw it away. That's a clever analogy. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. So I guess it kind of is a follow-on to the saving would be that I would think you don't want to take money out of your retirement accounts to pay for things today unless it's an absolute emergency situation. Yeah, I mean, look, life is life and sometimes things happen and you have to do it. But as a last resort only, because if you take away from that at age 25, for example, if you take $10,000 out at age 25, and then let's say you retired at 65, that $10,000 with 40 years of compounding, assuming you make stock market average, you're talking about a six-figure amount that you have made disappear, basically. Once it's gone, it's gone. The opportunity to recover from it is almost non-existent. The other thing that comes to mind to me related to what you said before about getting bumped up into tax brackets is knowing about how taxes work and planning for that ahead of time so that you can make the appropriate adjustments in in the way you withdraw money from accounts or things like that so that you don't end up paying a bunch of taxes going into retirement or after retirement. Yes. Again, I wish that I had known somebody in a similar circumstance before I retired that I could have asked about because I have cost myself significant penalties on Medicare. I knew about 401k stuff because people talk about it. Nobody was talking about an upper limit on how much money you could make on Medicare. So I thought, well, I'll go ahead and move this chunk of money from my IRA to a Roth. Then I'll avoid future taxes on the growth. I'll come out all kinds of winners. But I didn't know about this penalty until the government slapped it on me. And then in terms of investment, you kind of mentioned this before, but when you're young, you want to be investing more aggressively so you can get the growth. But then by the time you're getting into retirement, you want to shift to be more conservative, unless like you're saying, you're really afraid of inflation. Yes. And it's just what makes sense. You know, when you're young, the opportunity to replace loss income is relatively large. As you age, your opportunity for replacement gets reduced. When you're young, you've got 40 years to replace any loss or missed opportunities. When you're 55, for example, your opportunities are significantly reduced. So errors become compounded as you get near the end of your career you want to be as conservative as your financial situation will allow. And then in terms of managing your investments, a lot of people got burned in 2008 during the recession because of getting scared about the stock market and selling when it was at lows, right? That's correct. And again, 
to me, I saw that as a buying opportunity. There were some stocks that were significantly hit, and I took the longer-run view that they were good companies and they had been hugely penalized. So I benefited not just from picking a good company, but also picking a good company at the right time to help me out financially in the long run. It's also an option, right, that you could work part-time after quote-unquote retirement? Yes. The particulars, I, I don't remember exactly what the numbers are, but if you are, for example, taking Social Security, you can make a small, and I emphasize the word small, income without paying a penalty on your Social Security. But you can make more money than that minimum. Just realize that you will have a penalty associated with your Social Security. However, having said that, it's something on the order of making $2 and getting a $1 penalty. So it still pays you to make more money if the opportunity is in front of you. It's just that you won't make as much after there is a penalty assessed as you thought you might if there was no penalty. And then back to what you mentioned about having mental and physical stimulation, would you say it's worthwhile in terms of cultivating hobbies and pastimes? Yes. Particularly, I think if I have the opportunity, I would pursue some type of activity that's mentally stimulating that somehow has a game associated with it. You know, for example, playing duplicate bridge or some other mental activity where you're playing a game but actually getting mental stimulation along the way, and maybe social as well. Those, to me, are good things and uh, would help you to stay less impacted by age-related mental deterioration as well as physical. In my case, what I'm doing for some physical stimulation is playing golf. Now, when I was 20 years old, I thought golf was no physical stimulation now, I think that I'm doing good when I take 10,000 steps on a 18 holes of golf. That kind of brings me to a more philosophical concept or question. Do you think people should actually be thinking and planning in terms of a traditional model of retirement where I'm going to plan and save my money so that at the age of 65, I'm going to just completely stop working and doing anything so that I don't have to work anymore and I'll just live off of what I saved before that time. Do you think that makes sense or that people should plan to do things that way and have a hard cutoff date in life to stop working completely? There seems to be an obvious answer here, but I'm going to throw a little curveball at you. I think it depends on the person's makeup. I think what you need to do, which, which I wish I'd have done ahead of time, was sit back and evaluate yourself on what you get joy from, what provides you with entertainment. To me, I found that I get joy from mental stimulation. I get joy from physical stimulation. But, for example, workouts to me, I don't enjoy at all. It's very boring. But if you can encapsulate or mask it in a game, I like physical activity. I like being somewhat in shape but it has to be masked in some type of game. So maybe you want to join a retired person's basketball league or something, you know, not competing with 20-year-olds, but competing with people your own age, or or maybe a, 
an older person's uh, softball league or playing golf or going for hikes or whatever your spouse. I mean, my wife was the athlete when we were young, and I thought that was going to be our plan for the future. I thought I was going to have trouble keeping up with her on walking. And it turned out that I was surprised because she is having trouble with her legs. So hopefully that will be resolved and one of our future activities can be going for long walks. Because I, I do enjoy walking just the countryside. The thought that comes to my mind is kind of like a spectrum. On one end of the spectrum, you could absolutely hate your work that you do. And that, to me, it would kind of make sense that you would want to plan for a hard retirement. So you can say, like, oh, I finally am liberated from this treachery and this drudgery. And then you can be free or whatever. But in a more ideal situation on the other end of the spectrum is that if you could be doing what you love doing anyway and you're getting paid for it, why would you want to stop? would kind of be my question. So I guess my thinking would be that wherever you find yourself, ideally you can orient yourself throughout your career in being more towards that you love what you're doing and why would you even stop doing it side of the spectrum. Yeah, as an example of the other side of the spectrum, my father began his last job. He started his last job at age 79 long after most people had forgotten about work. He and I would have discussions about it. It all came down to he felt that he needed something to do to keep himself mentally sharp and active. So I really uh, think he benefited from his approach. So just as a final thought, to me it makes sense to be thinking about these kind of retirement things well in advance, like early on in your career, because each step of the career builds on the next step where you are today opens the door for where you are tomorrow and so on and so on, which is going to take you to where you are at the end of your career towards retirement. And if you're on a track that you already know you're not happy about, that doesn't exactly bode well for getting through to the end and being excited about your job and not wanting to quit and not wanting to retire. So in my mind, that's just something to be thinking about as you go through your career and seeking out something that you enjoy and can be passionate about and devoted to. But anyhow, I want to thank you, Larry, for coming on the show again. Well, thank you to you. And uh, I hope that perhaps somebody might find some value in this that helped them along the way, if not in what to do, maybe in what not to do. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we can learn from other people's experiences and especially other people's failures without having to do them ourselves. All right. Thanks for listening and catch us next time on another episode of the Post Money Plan Podcast. Mm -hmm.